0: Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.
1: Can there be ghosts underwater? If we donate an organ, can ourselves carry a memory to the person who receives it? Who is the alien Bill?
2: Here we are. <laughs> I had it on the wrong button. So welcome to the 1011th one, one uh, edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, coming to you from and AM and FM Radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live on YouTube and I am Ben, and that was Paul, and today we bring you a new guest bearing some of the weirdest cases we've ever heard. And uh, this is uh, Malcolm Robinson, who has been involved in UFO and paranormal research for over 40 years. Uh, he has written 12 books on the unexplained, and uh, has been featured in numerous television and radio programs. Uh, he has also appeared in documentaries such as The Pentagon UFO Files in 2022, Uh Space Force, the Dawn of Galactic Warfare in 2022, and Aliens at Loch Ness uh, in 2022. Uh, Malcolm was the very first uh, Scottish UFO researcher to speak in the United States, France, the Netherlands, and Ireland. Uh, He's also one of the few people to have plumbed the depths of Loch Ness in a submarine, which is pretty pretty sizable achievement. Uh, Malcolm is also the assistant editor of the Outer Limits magazine, uh, his latest book, Paranormal Case Files of Great Britain, Volume 4, Uh, and that is our subject of today's show. So Malcolm Robinson can be contacted via email at uh, Malkyspi, so that's M-A-L-C-K-Y-S-P-I at yahoo.com. So Malcolm Robinson, welcome to Behind the Paranormal.
3: It's a pleasure to be on the show, Ben. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's uh, wonderful to have
2: you with us. So I guess we'll just uh, you know, dive right into it, so to speak. We do love our, our puns here. So tell us about underwater ghosts, and how were you able to research them?
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously I've been involved in this wonderful, wonderful subject for actually more than 40 years now. And during that time, I beca- become, became aware of these tales of underwater ghosts And uh, I did some research and I found out, you know, there was quite a few. Because when you think about it, you know, you don't just have ghosts of human beings, you can have ghosts of aircraft, of ships, etc. But this was taking it to a different level. And one of the cases, there's quite a number of cases, but one of the cases concerned a lagoon in Southeast Asia called the, the Truck Lagoon. And what happened there was that during the Second World War, there was uh, quite a big naval battle in that place. And sadly, over 3,000 people lost their lives. You know There were five dozen ships, which included several civilian merchant ships, which sank and plummeted beneath the waves. Now, where's the story of the ghosts come in? Since that time, you've had a number of divers, scuba divers, who have went down to inspect the wrecks of these ships, and they claim, there's a big claim, that when they're down there, they actually claim to see shadowy figures walking along the sunken ships. But even more disconcerting is the fact that some of these divers claim to have heard voices shouting underwater now how they could hear that with their mask on i don't know now it, is, it does sound a fanciful tale we have to take a lot of these tales with a pinch of salt for all although i personally personally believe in the validity of life after death that we all survive the physical body and we can move on to another uh, area we're still skeptical as a society we're still skeptical But um, another case was way back in the 19th century, and this was uh, the RMS Roan. Now, that was a a ship that was lost at sea due to a hurricane, and that was way back in October 1867. And that was near Salt Island, which lies off uh, the British Virgin Islands. And again, uh, the story goes that when divers are exploring this wreck... They claim to see these ghostly swimmers who are desperately, desperately swimming upwards as if to reach the surface, only to Mm -hmm. vanish and disappear. And um, there's also a ghost of a a female diver. I'll just give you a few quick for instances. There's a, a beauty spot called the Blue Hole, and that's at Santa Rosa in New Mexico. And divers who have entered this big hole, talk of witnessing one, single female diver who has swum up towards them now she's wearing a a pink oxygen tank and she just vanishes vanishes before their eyes so needless to say these divers have went to the police and and the police have said oh yeah yeah we're aware of this this is not the first time that people have reported seeing this female diver so it's unusual it is crazy but let's be honest you know when we deal we're dealing with the paranormal here. We're dealing with countless apparitions from all over the world. Some of these apparitions will appear under the water. And there's so many more tales of these contained within the book.
1: You know, that's, uh, really amazing. I think you and I are about the same vintage, uh, Malcolm, uh, uh, maybe 50 years, uh, doing this. Uh, and I must say, I've not run into too many underwater ghosts, but I have run into spatial uh, relationships that are very odd. <laughs> uh, the uh, entity or whatever will be up toward the ceiling or down toward the floor uh, or in the ground and that kind of thing. So perhaps there's a relationship there. Uh, who is the alien Bill?
3: Well, Alien Bill is a lovely man. Uh, He's about mid-60s, I would say, and he lives in a a town called York in England. Now, I met him a few years ago. Somebody put me in touch with him and said, Malcolm, oh my God, you've got to meet this chap. He's taken these wonderful photographs of these orbs and these trails in the sky and these mists. And I just knew that when I met him and he told me all these stories, I went, wow, who is this guy? You know, because some people seem to be an attractant to paranormal phenomena. They just seem to. It's like an old radio. You know, when you tune in between stations in the old radio, you went from one radio station, you've got your fingers on the, the dial and you're moving it and it eventually connects And he's that type of guy because he's seen so much stuff in his life, you know. And I'll give you a a quick for instance. Um, I was given a lecture at uh, the Freedom Centre in a town called Hull in uh, England. And Alien Bill was there. Now, he was sitting with his wife, Victoria. And funnily enough, I I was actually on the stage talking about the Socky Poltergeist, which hopefully I'll come to you in a moment. Scotland's biggest ever poltergeist case. So there I was on the stage. So you picture the scene. All the audience is watching me and they're all just watching me. And then suddenly, suddenly, this arm, just an arm. You saw the hand and up to the elbow. It had a a jacket, like a dark blue jacket. And at the elbow, it was just fuzzy. It just melted away. It suddenly appeared in front of Alien Bill, his wife Vic, and Kathy Cogliano, who comes from Massachusetts. She came over to, to this conference, and it moved from right to left very, very slowly. And they said he could have just put his arm out and caught it, and he just couldn't believe it. And if that wasn't bad enough, when he was in the toilets later on uh, that that afternoon, he went into the gents toilets nobody was there nobody was there at all and then suddenly he heard well suddenly the side of his face went really really cold and really icy cold and then suddenly he heard a, a voice saying you're all right mate and he turned around and nobody was there and he checked all the, the cubicles and nobody was hiding And he later found out that, I know it sounds crazy, but those toilets are heavily haunted by someone who passed away in it. Very bizarre. Now, other things that's happened to Alien Bill as well is quite kind of strange. Because he had been at a a pub, a public house in York, and he was on his bicycle, and he was driving, sorry, he was cycling back to his home. It was torrential rain, the rain was pounding down. Now, he had a UFO encounter. He's had a lot of these that particular night. It's too long-winded to go into just now. Got to read the book, folks. Anyway, as he
1: was
3: was cycling back, he suddenly found himself in an area that he'd never ever seen before. He knew he was in York, and he went, where am I? How, how, How did I get here? Which might be related to the UFO. Anyway, along this lane... There was trees, trees to the left, trees to the right, just a walkway, just a little lane, and at the end of this lane was this hooded figure, female shaped, black hood. You could see the shoulders and this long cape coming down to the ground. He never saw the feet. She was slowly moving towards him, but she wasn't walking. You know, the shoulders were not going down and up, down and up. She was gliding. And he says, well, <laughs> she's she's quite, what's going on here? This is quite peculiar, this. And the rain, which was cascading down, didn't seem to affect her in one, one bit. So he got his bicycle torch and he shot it into the face, into the hood. And there was nothing there, just blackness. So he moved out the road and he let her continue moving forward. And at that point, he says, you know what? I better take a photograph of this and I think you know what's coming as soon as he went to grab his camera and take a photograph completely disappeared and she was gone and he's taken a number of these orb-like photographs over the years and there's a there's two statues called the Kelpies near Falkirk in central Scotland massive statues you know about 50-60 feet high And a few years ago, he managed to capture this beam of light, which was going between these two horses' heads, these sculptures. It wasn't a searchlight, because there's no searchlights there, and, you know, we still don't know what that was.
1: Hmm. Well, you brought up the subject of poltergeist, which is dear to my heart. So tell us about that one.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously what I'm about to tell you is a true story witnessed by many people. Not one person, not two persons. I'm going to take you back, and your lovely listeners and viewers, away back to November 1960. Now, I was only three years of age at the time when this incident I'm about to tell you happened. I did research it in later years, which we'll come to. Here is a story. 11 years eight of age Virginia Campbell she stayed with her parents at a place called Mobile in County Donegal in Ireland and at that time they decided to come over to Scotland and little Virginia she didn't want to go You know, her friends were there her little dog Toby was in Ireland she didn't want to go I do not want to go to Scotland but that was all set in stone and they, they came over to central Scotland in November 1960 Now the first event that transpired was very peculiar because what happened was she was in a a single bed and her cousin uh, was in a, a single bed next to her and then suddenly they could hear footsteps walking on the linoleum floor and then banging noises, scratching noises coming from all over the room. This terrified them. So they ran down the stairs... And as they were running down the stairs, it was like the sound of a big medicine ball going boof, boof, boof on each step behind them. And they ran into the living room and they excitedly said to their, <coughs> their parents what they had seen. And of course, the parents are thinking, oh, it's just kids, it's just children making up stories. So come on, back to bed, up the stairs now, took them back to bed. And what happened? the mother and father heard and s- heard these noises themselves. Also, other things that was happening was that uh, there was a sideboard in the living room that moved out from the wall several inches across the floor and went back again. One time when she was using the hoover uh, to vacuum the, the floor carpet, the handle came off and hit her on the nose. There was also a clock came off a sideboard and smashed into her head. Things were starting to get very bad, more seriously. So they decided to move her out of the house to another house in a town about four miles away, a wee town called Dollar, and that's in Shire. Sadly, the same things happened again. It was just incredible. And then at that point, they went, she went to, to school. And you would think it's bad enough, these events happening in the family home, but they followed her, they followed her to school. So what I'm about to tell you now are the events that was witnessed by over 40 school kids and a teacher. So picture this in 1960, lots of kids, about 40, 50 kids in this classroom. The teacher had given them an essay to do. So all the children, their heads are bent over their jotters, they're all writing away, except for one little girl. And that was Virginia Campbell she had both her forearms pushing down on the desk lid and the teacher shouted up the classroom, Virginia, what are you doing? Stop that one, stop it. So as soon as Virginia lifted her arms up, the desk lid was flapping up and down of its own accord. At that point, a desk, an empty desk, it was sitting next to her, rose up rose up several inches in the floor, up from the floor, and clattered back down again. On another occasion, Virginia went to the teacher's desk. Now, back in 1960, the teacher's desks in Scotland were very big, you know, broad desks, very heavy desks, you know, heavy pinewood desks. And there was a a cane, a teacher's cane, that was lying flat on the table, Uh, Back in 1960, the teachers used that to point, point to the blackboard, you know. It was lying flat, and then suddenly, it started to vibrate. It was vibrating, then it stood up vertically, and started bang, bang, banging down on the desk. At that point, the teacher's desk rose up several centimetres from the floor... And whilst the teacher's stomach was in the long part of the desk, it wasn't anymore. It swung round 90 degrees and her stomach was now in the narrow part of the desk. Well, you can imagine, Paul, the class, the kids were screaming their heads off, you know. And just at that, there was a a vase which contained some flowers on an empty table, screamed off the, the, the table and smashed into smithereens on the wall. So the teacher rushed to the classroom door to let the children out because they were terrified. And the teacher, she says, Malcolm, I interviewed her over the phone. She says, Malcolm, I had the door and I could not open the door. It was like a heavy man was on the other side of this door. And I said to the children, oh. It must be very windy today. The door appears to be jammed. And then suddenly the door released and all the children ran out like a, a Tom and Jerry cartoon out the door. It was about six, seven deep with the kids running out. It was really unbelievable, you know. And so many more things happened there. You know, A father was walking into into, the, into the, the, the toilet and a shaving brush came out floated in midair and fell at his feet. Things got so bad that they had to call in the local minister. Local priests were involved. They exercised the house, exercised the whole house and bangings and thumpings and rappings came from all over the house. Then the local doctor became involved and he said he could not believe what he was looking at because back in nineteen sixty you had what these linen linen chests they contained extra pillows, bed sheets, etc. And it was against the wall and it screeched out about 14 inches from the wall across the linoleum. And then the lid of this linen chest started to flap up and down. Nobody was near it. It was flapping up and down. And at that point, Virginia's um, uh, bed covers started to ripple as if you had thrown a stone into a quiet mill pond. You know how you get those concentric ripples? They were Mm. all rippling over like that. And she also claimed that uh, she was getting poked on the body, she was getting scratched. And also, when Virginia's head was on the pillow, the pillow swung round 90 degrees under her head. Next to Virginia was an empty pillow. And suddenly, the doctor saw this Well, it was like a ghostly head, the shape of a head depressed down into this pillow. Uh, It's been a well, well documented case, and I've only scratched the surface, Paul. That's why I decided, you know, when I got older, I'd heard about this tale growing up in Scotland, and I just knew I had to do some research. I knew I had to track down the teacher, track down the former classmates, which I did, so I interviewed the teacher who told me what she saw. I interviewed uh, several of the classmates about Malcolm. Huh? Oh, Malcolm, did we? Yes, we saw that. And so it annoys me sometimes when sceptics say, you know, oh, it's a load of rubbish. There are no such things as poltergeists. How I wish those sceptics been in that classroom to see that themselves. Oh, um, yes. Just before I finish that story, I mean, obviously, I'm sure you're going to ask me, well, what do I think was behind that? Well, first of all, Paul, I'll tell you what I don't think was behind it. And uh, this may be at odds with other paranormal researchers, but I don't care. Other researchers say it's pure psychic energy coming from a pubescent child, you know, going through puberty, a male, a young boy, a young girl. And all this sexual energy is projecting, it's externalising itself to move furniture, etc, etc. Now, I don't believe that. And the reason I don't believe that is, if that was the cause, if this, you know, the sexual energy going through, kids going through puberty, then surely you would have more poltergeist cases with the state of the youth today. You know, there's so many troubled teenagers. You would have lots of poltergeists. So I don't think it's that. I do believe that it is a very nasty spirit. And uh, just before I finish on this one, I tried to find out where she lives today because she had moved away. Right, okay, we need to find Virginia. It's now, uh, this was last year, 2022. Uh, I need to find out. Long story short, we managed to track her down to a wee place called Kempston near Bedford. Bedford is in Bedfordshire in England, but we don't know where exactly she is. She is in Kempston. That's what we're still trying to do, you know. And it's it's an amazing case, you know. And um, I mean, that poltergeists are the more nastier side of the paranormal. I mean, there was a case in South Shields in England. And some of my good friends, Darren Ritson and Michael Halliwell, investigated this. And the reason I say it was nasty was because of this. It was attacking the very people in the house. And on one occasion, uh, one of the the chaps that stayed in the house says, My back! My back! And the, the investigators lifted his shirt up, and you could see these red scratch marks coming down his back. Now, these were fresh... Marks, you know, these were, these were not old marks, these were fresh. So, there is a distinction, a clear distinction between certain aspects of ghosts and poltergeists, etc., yeah?
1: Well, certainly agree, uh, 100% that the, uh, old ideas about, you know, uh, youth producing this sort of thing, uh, the agent, as parapsychology calls it, uh, I haven't believed that for about 45 years. Um, I've seen it myself, as you have, and when skeptics come along, I'll tell them, you know, with respect, I was there and you were not. So uh, we have theories about energy parasites, things of that kind, but the old ideas about the agent theory, I agree, is uh, not correct. Ben, you want to jump in here?
2: Uh, yes, but I believe it is time for us to take our break very quickly before we get into anything else. Um, so you are listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno coming to you live from W O O N AM and FM Radio here in Sockets, beautiful Blackstone River Valley. And we will catch you on the other side of the break.
0: Hi, this is Noel Pinsons. Myself and Reverend Ryan Simus will present a fabulous show by Father Pat. From La Salette Shrine. It will take place on Sunday, September 10th, and that is Grandparents' Day. At 3 30, the doors will open at 3 p.m. at St. Joseph Church, Menden Road in Woonsocket. Father Pat will present inspiring music. This event is sponsored by the Pepin Family. Pre-sale tickets on sale now, $10 at Pepin Lumber's on Cumberland Hill Road. The day of the concert, $12. Cash only, no checks or credit cards. The address for Peppin Lumber, 830 Cumberland Hill Road. And we're going to help New Beginning Soup Kitchen and the
2: St. Joseph Company. Hope to see you there.
0: Local and live at 99.5
2: FM. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, with our wonderful guest. Uh, Malcolm Robinson, excuse me. It is almost allergy season here for the fall allergies, so pardon me. Um, And we're talking about all sorts of high strangeness, poltergeists, underwater ghosts, etc. And I wanted to kick off this portion of our show, Malcolm, uh, by taking a quick step backwards to the question we started the show off with, which is... You know, what about underwater ghosts? Um, my question most mostly has to deal with, you know, the relationship of water to the paranormal, right? You know, you can look at it from a couple different points of view. You know, you can look at it as something that is, um, you know, electromagnetic. You know, if you want to get into, like, you know, some pseudoscience there, like, well, you know, water conducts electricity, you know, therefore, you know, it could possibly lead to this phenomena happening, you could look at it from a folklore standpoint if you wish you know the the idea of you know witches not being able to go over water or you know a, you know there's there's some sort of relationship there between you know the ghost itself you know whether it's the river styx or the reed sea or whatever what have you um in in your opinion what is the relationship of ghosts and water
3: yeah i mean it's a it's a very good question obviously they as we heard a moment ago we have a number of cases of ghosts being sighted under the water i think it's i mean again it's only my interpretation it's only my explanation i think it's some form of kind of psychic energy it's like when people pass over be it a house or a car or whatever they're leaving the psychic energy imprint on the very very fabric either of a building or a car, or a boat, whatever. And because these people maybe have been died in the cabins of these ships as they sunk, as they crashed beneath the waves, the terrifying, you know, their the last moments would be basically impregnated in the very fabric of these, these uh, ships, etc. So what people are seeing, it's like a residue, you know, like a psychic imprint, for want of a better word, that's only speculation on my part. I mean, there may be an alternative explanation. I'm sure a number of your good listeners there may well have their own ideas. But for me personally, at this point in my investigations, I think maybe it's some form of energy has been left, you know, because we know about the stone tape theory. You know, the a big case in Wales where it was a haunted pub and the, the proprietor of the pub uh, locked the doors. Everybody was out. Nobody was in it. And as he walked down the stairs he could hear merriment, the clinking of glasses, people laughing, an old organ sound being played. He went, well, wait a minute. not <laughs> nobody's in there, you know, and he went back in quiet. So what people did on that occasion, these psychic researchers put microphones into the very fabric of the stone walls and they pressed play and record and they left the premises. When they went back the following day, these sounds were recorded on their equipment so it's like an energy of the of bygone days has been impregnated into the walls. A quick for instance there Ben would be like um, if you went to see a family friend or a friend and you meet them at the door they're all smiles oh nice to see you Ben oh it's great to see you and you come as you go in the door you might taste and sense and smell that hey things didn't seem right. The, uh, The energy in this room does not seem right. And what we've tended to find is, they'll admit, yeah, just before you came to the house, Ben, we had a terrific row, really bad row. So the energy of that, again, the more psychic one is, the more psychic one can be aware of seeing that. It's like you could have six people in a haunted room and only three might see a spirit. And the other three will go, what? I, I I can't see anything. And again, it's like that old radio. It's the more psychically aware, the more psychically attuned you are, that's what I feel is people are more likely to see spirit.
2: Hmm. I, it's almost, I, I don't know why, but for some reason I'm thinking of the ship of Theseus. And, and I, I think of it because I... I here in the United States, we don't have the luxury of having buildings that are over, you know, two, th- you know, two hundred-ish years old. Um, we, you know, in New England, we have older buildings, but it's like, you know, you don't, you don't have like aqueducts floating around or anything like that. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, don't have Hadrian's Wall or anything like that. So it's 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 a different story on this side of the pond, where it's like, well, you know, there was a cabin built in like you know, seventeen eighty, and then it you know gets demolished, etc., and then they put up you know a Five-story housing complex above it. You know, does it make it the same spot? And does it make it? You know, just because it's all the parts are missing, is it still that same place? There's this idea I think here in the modern world that we've really lost of sacred space, right? We've we've lost that sort of need for a space that's separated from the world around it. Um, And I'm the way that I'm interpreting how you're how you're talking is almost like a like a a ship of theseus in this sense right you know just because all the bits and pieces of it are gone is it still the same thing and in in this sense it's like you know let's say the ship itself right ship ship sinks you know the the poor the poor souls that are on it you know lost etc um over time as it decays and changes etc it's it's interesting to think of it in a way of you know spirit or soul or whatever because I think half the time it's understanding the anatomy of ourselves as humans. Uh, well, yeah. well, I don't want to say anatomy. Well, I guess anatomy in a sense because you know we're obviously more than our physical parts, but at the same time the physical parts matter, right? Because otherwise why would ghosts be wearing clothes, you know? And you know, why do they retain human form, right? If it's pure consciousness, why, you know, if I was a pure consciousness, I would pick whatever I wanted. Maybe a squid-faced being, a la H.P. Lovecraft. But, you know, for whatever reason, they all pop up as as human, right? And, you know, even even poltergeists, in a sense, when they sort of uh, have an apparition portion of it, there's always some sort of human component to it. And I'm curious as to what your interpretation of that is.
3: Well, just briefly going back to the point about energy, when you look at kirland photography, you know, you cut off a corner of a leaf and under curling photography, that is still there. So the energy of that, it's been displaced, it's gone, it's still there. But uh, as far as the, that goes, I mean, I've, the only way I could really answer that, Ben, is I, I'm totally convinced of uh, a life after death. I remember a story my father told me some years ago, he saw me growing up and uh, getting involved in this subject. And he says, you know, son, your granny, my mother, as you know, she, she passed away a few weeks ago. And I says, yeah. He says, well, I'm not so sure. And I went, how? And he says, well, a few nights ago, I was lying in my bed. The lights were off and I wasn't sleeping, son. This is the story he was telling me. This is to answer your question anyway. I wasn't sleeping and then suddenly this beautiful light pervaded in the corner of this room this beautiful aquamarine light and then he saw his mother appearing but she appeared younger than when she passed she passed in her 80s and here she's looking at in the early 1930s you know sorry she was about 36 in this this image so it's getting back to what you said why would ghosts come back with clothes why would they not just like a ball of consciousness i think some people when they pass on do want to come back to their loved ones and just say look This is what I'm like now, you know. And what she said was, and it sounds Hollywood, but this is what she said. She says, Robert, that's my father's name, it's me. I have moved on. I'm going to a better place. And I just want to say my final goodbyes. And within about 10, 15 seconds, the the light diminished. And the whole room was engulfed in blackness again. And I found out later that she went round all my uncle's that's my father's brothers, and said the same thing, she was moving on. Now, you may have some listeners that will say, well, I've lost somebody, and that's never happened to me. I, I accept that. There is some kind of mechanism that does not allow everybody to come back in that manner. But um, you're quite right. You, know, you would imagine if you're moving on to a higher side, that there would be this consciousness, this ball of light, this why would they need to come back? In that shape, I, I do honestly believe it's a comfort thing, just to let us who are left behind just still see them before they move on.
2: Well, that's really interesting uh, from a you know an eschatological sense too. Um, and one of the things that that we've found and something I've been exploring a lot personally is is how one experiences the phenomena because it's important, right? You know we. It's the subject object problem, and I think the paranormal is the hyperbolic you know portion of that right where we are a subject and we're experiencing an objective reality, but what informs the subject you know and there's that third portion of it that informs our understanding of it, and I think a lot of it has to do with cultural background you know what' what, yes. what we grew up with, how we understand it, and you know we've we've had you know people write in and explain you know well you know we're garden variety ghost hunters etc but we started you know reading your theories and we approached it differently and the phenomena changed now initially right it's kind of like a home run for us like wow cool you know we're right but i i as much as i'd like to say i'm right um I, i think a portion of it is how we experience it and Unfortunately, it's all kind of down to the subject, experiencing the, object, the objective reality. Now, now, how do you feel about that?
3: It's the objective reality. Uh, what quantifies the objective reality? And I'll give you another for instance, because I always like to answer these questions by stories that would go, and go towards that. Mm. Um, when I worked in a factory in Scotland years ago, there was this uh, old man came to me and he says, Malcolm, you're crazy. There's, there's no such things as ghosts and poltergeists, he says, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, when I pass away, and God forbid, it's many, many, many years down the line, if there is such a thing as a life after death, I'll let you know. I says, thanks Bobby, and many years went by, it was a conversation that was well forgotten, it was not in the back of my mind at all. One morning I got up to do what we call a day shift. I started at six in the morning, but I got up about five o'clock and I went down into the kitchen. My wife was sleeping upstairs. The house was quiet. I put the kettle on and then suddenly I just had this feeling, this intense feeling that somebody was behind me. So I slowly turned round, and I saw nothing, nothing at all. So I think you know where I'm going with the story. So when I, when I went to my work that day, all my workmates were all sad. They went, "What's the matter, guys? Cheer up!" Oh, oh, did you not hear? Hear what? We Bobby Smith died last night. Now this is getting back to your point, Ben, about the energy, what, what quantifies, etc. I never saw him. I can. This is you're talking about. Six seven years after that conversation, I was not expecting this, but I felt something. Now, of course, sceptics might say, "Well, you know, it, it, was, it might not even been Bobby Smith, the, the, the chap. It might have been something else." But it was. It's another example of sometimes you can sense things rather than, than see things. And as you know, you know, ghosts are not all transparent. You get solid solid appearing ghosts, anniversary ghosts, etc. But clearly, um, there is something, we have to look very seriously at this whole subject because it does take a lot of bad stick. Um, You know, you've got these people going out with devices, it does this and it does that. I think, personally, uh, I wouldn't bother with a lot of these devices. For, For me, personally, if you take along a very... Very good psychic, somebody you know who is tuned into that spirit world. Then you know that you would give your life for them. And we've found out, you know, many times in Scotland with working with psychic mediums, the information that's been provided by these people given to the householders went, yeah, yeah, that's right, you know. And I, I, I give a lot of these stories in the book because it's important that people learn about these cases. And the reason I write books, uh, Ben, is, is purely because these stories need to get out. There's no good for me collecting all these stories and then just filing them away, filing them away in a cabinet to be forgotten. These mm-hmm. stories must go out. I just hope that the readers of this latest book, uh, you know, can enjoy them. Yeah.
2: Well, it's you know, it's how we order reality around us, right? You know, there's sort of four ways we order reality, which is you know, language, art, music, and, and ritual. And through telling stories we we understand things better and and it's it 's how we we learn stuff, even with you know raw scientific data it's it 's still interpreted into into a story of of sorts you know that 's why history is history his history right
3: yeah. so so yeah. I'm, yeah
2: and with that being said, you know we 're coming down sort of uh, to the last you know few minutes of the show well you know fifteen minutes of the show really. Um, so tell us a little bit about, you know, your work, what you're working on, where people can find your books, etc.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm currently working on my uh, 13th book, and that's about Bonny Bridge. Bonnie Bridge is a town in central Scotland. I've seen a wave, a wave of UFO reports since 1992. And I'm co-authoring this with uh, another gentleman, another Scottish researcher by the name of Ron Halliday, and um, so yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff with that, uh, you know. People, TV crews were coming from all over the world: America, Japan, Canada, Romania, just to, to film this. So we're working on that book. Uh, next year we'll be doing an investigation into Loch Ness. There is one currently ongoing at the moment, as we speak. But next year we have we are taking a, a ship with the best, sophisticated sonar in some. Underwater submersibles in a hunt for Nessie, so we're doing that as well. And uh, in a couple of months, oh, sorry, next month I should say, or two, sorry, two months' time, I'm giving a lecture on a cruise ship uh, leaving from Florida Port Canaveral, and I'll be talking about ghost sporter guys, UFOs, and a whole range of things. So it's busy times, you know. It's just great for me, Ben, to, to speak to lovely people like you and Paul and your listeners, and just. You know, just talk about these wonderful subjects.
1: I was uh, saying before we went on the air that I turned on the television last night, and there was Malcolm on the History Channel talking <laughs> about Bonnie Bridge. So, there you have it. Yeah, the book is Paranormal Case Files of Great Britain, Volume 4. Now, uh Malcolm, before we let you go, the... Uh, Issue of missing time is generally associated with the UFO phenomenon and abduction, but uh, you pointed out in several cases in the book that are not overtly UFO cases. Can you talk about some of that?
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously, missing time is uh, is more structured, I guess, to a degree around uh, UFO incidents. Um, across the world, and um, we have missing time in a number of uh, ghostly cases as well, where people have seen certain apparitions and a time span goes accounted for. They think it's only seconds, you know, and then suddenly, as if they've been switched off, that um, you know it can be anything up to an hour or two hours even of missing time has, has gone transpired. Then that's quite unusual because it's it's a, for me it's a, a rarity. In the paranormal world, when we 're dealing with with ghostly phenomena, you expect to 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 account for every given moment, but that 's not the case. you know we have this missing time with ghostly encounters and um, Obviously, other encounters as well. the same with Sasquatch and Bigfoot. People sometimes have lost time when they've been out exploring. So that's why it makes the whole subject, that's why it's so fascinating for people like me and researchers the world over because this paranormal is a big jigsaw that's fell on the floor and it's scattered about. And all we're trying to do is put these pieces together to try and understand what fits because there's a lot of nonsense out there. Not every UFO is extraterrestrial. A lot of it's our own technology, black budget projects, drones, etc. Uh, a lot of ghostly photographs, is simulacrum or paradolia, It's apps, it's images you can get on an app and make it look like a ghost. We have to be so, so careful these days. Thankfully, that same technology that's advancing at a great rate can be used to determine if there's any thin wire or a thin support string, you know, putting a, a UFO model hanging from a tree, etc. So it's, it's, a, it's a big job, but I would not, I would not be in this subject if I honestly, honestly didn't believe that mankind is dealing with some form of non-human intelligence. It's always been with us. Uh, the big question, of course, is Why? Why? You know, and I could elaborate that, but I've not got the time. And uh, I do also believe that, um, as I said earlier, that each and every one of us will see our mothers and fathers again as we pass on. And I've got a wonderful story. If I've got two minutes to tell another story, I don't know how time is. No, go ahead. Okay, when I stayed in a a little place called Hastings in East Sussex in England, uh, a woman came to one of my lectures and she says, Malcolm... One of the leading surgeons at the local hospital is off, uh, with you know, it's he just it's just off. But you know, he can't he can't take it anymore. I went. What do you mean? He says, "Oh, it's is it stress? No, it's worse than that." So what she said was this: as this surgeon was walking along the corridor of this hospital, he saw an elderly gentleman standing in the corridor, and the elderly gentleman looked very very confused. So the surgeon went. Are you are you okay are you all right and the old man went i i don't know I, I i've not i don't know and then suddenly the surgeon's pager went off on his on his waist he says excuse me a moment sir hold on so the the surgeon's attention was then drawn to his pager and he looked at his pager and it said quickly you are needed in the resource room so he he went to say goodbye to the gentleman but he wasn't there he he thought maybe it went through some swing doors which were close by. So the surgeon walked towards the resource room. And I think you know what's coming, but there is a twist. As the surgeon walked into the resource room, the doctors had those big circular paddles on a man's chest, his bare chest, and trying to pump him back to life. It was the very same man that wow. the surgeon saw a moment ago in the corridor. Here is the twist. Here's the twist. They decided to look at the closed circuit television cameras and see if that was recorded. And you see the surgeon walking down the corridor, stopping, tilting his head back, talking to nothing, nothing at all. So this is why we love this subject. It's incredible.
1: It sure is. We want to have you back to talk about UFOs, but uh, maybe this is the last question we'll have time for. But is it places that are haunted or is it people who are haunted?
3: Well, I think it's a bit of both, to be honest with you uh, there, Paul. You know, obviously here in Scotland, we have many stately homes and castles and, and stuff like that. These are these are different type of ghosts. But there are certain people who would attract paranormal phenomena or ghostly phenomena. They're, they're more in tune, like that radio frequency I mentioned earlier, they're in tune where they can physically see the paranormal so to answer your question it's a bit of both it's houses and it's also people but we need to do the research and find out if we're being if people are pulling the wool over our eyes we need to get the facts right we need to find out because we are providing evidence to Joe Public and it needs to be the best
1: yeah actually we do have a few more minutes Uh Ben did you want to jump in
2: um yeah I guess it's it's uh this this is a, a fun little question um that that I, I think is is really kind of important for the field so you know all this being said right you know we've we've gone over you know cases you know how it affects people, how it affects places, et cetera you know going forward into the future, you know what what do you see as as the future of research malcolm is it Is it something that that encompasses more of a human approach? is it something more about trying to prove something you know it, it seems as if you know every, you know at least for the last i don't know let's say 100 years the the problem really has has kind of been you know everybody trying to do the same things over and over again and getting you know either a no result or or you know just no sort of progression if you will so what is what are the next steps in your opinion
3: yeah a good question again thank you for that well, I think at the end of the day, all we're trying to do, not just me, but fellow researchers worldwide, are trying to provide evidence to show the public that these things exist, that these things are real. So, how do we go about that? Is it technology? Is it cameras? Is it EVPs trying to record voices? Yes, they do work. Yes, we, it could be stray radio signals. We have to be careful on that. I think we need to get more psychologists and scientists involved. For instance, if if it was agreed there was a really active haunted house, then what I would like to see is not just the ghostly researchers. Let's get a psychologist in. Let's get a skeptic in. Let's get, you know, some of the top people from science and from the medical fraternity. It's a big ask. I doubt if it will happen. But to answer your question, these are the people that need to be on site <coughs> for any major case that's ongoing because if it convinces all those people then that, that for me would surely be good evidence but then again would it because we've had the, the release by the Pentagon and the, the congressional hearings in America where we've had this fantastic footage and yet we're no not any nearer forward, we're no further forward in trying to get answers to the UFO mystery so there's a lot of good stories out there but to answer your question again uh, there Ben I think it's we need that visual and auditory evidence, but we need to get top people, not just Ghostbusters. We need to get psychologists, analysts, um, people from the medical fraternity, scientists, all together, if that could ever happen. And if you convince those guys, and they've recorded it themselves with their instruments, etc., then maybe we're on to a winner.
2: Well, that's, that is is actually that—that's an interesting answer, and one that I, I've... Well, I've I've heard a couple of times. I've heard I've heard the 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 term paradigm shift thrown around a couple of times, you know, when I when I posed that question. And I I guess that's kind of the direction we have to head in. I'm I'm still working on this pet theory that the paranormal is the cosmology of the modern world. Um only because, you know, the way we interact with the supernatural is how we, re- you know, interact with other portions of it, which is, well, you know, we got to, you know, get the experts in on this first before we can do anything else. And, you know, all these things, you know, we can quantify it. We can understand it scientifically. And I don't know. I, I'm I, I'm wondering if, if the postmodern idea of throwing everything out until there's nothing left to throw out is, is going to get us far enough. But, you know, we'll see. We'll get there when we get there. But, uh, you know, at this point in time, you know, it's probably, you know, a fair amount to hop into our announcements um, as we conclude the show here. Uh, And I guess we can start off with, if you're anywhere in New England, uh, you can take in the Exeter UFO Festival. That is next weekend, Labor Day weekend, September 2nd and 3rd. Jeez, we're powering through the summer, are we not? Uh, The event benefits uh, local children's charities. Uh, Sadly, we have had to bow out this year because of my uh, dad's health. Um, I do have it on good authority, though, that my dad might make a brief cameo appearance by phone uh, to say a few words to the audience. Uh, So please go and uh, support the event if you can. Uh, Info at ExeterUFOFestival.com. Then in 2023, as we close out the year, the Western Connecticut UFO Conference, presented by the Danbury Public Library, will take place virtually and in person from October 22nd to the 29th uh, events will begin uh, on this show on October 22nd uh, this is a very there with a very special guest uh, Reverend Michael Carter of Ancient Aliens and uh, live audience interaction and there's more information on that to come At the great, Greater New England <laughs> UFO and Bigfoot Conference is back this will be a one day event on uh, uh, november 19th at the uh, veterans memorial center in levinster massachusetts uh, you can watch for more information about that and i'm sure susan spooler will be calling in every so often to give us event updates and all that good stuff and you can also visit our show website behind the paranormal dot com where you can find nearly 1200 hours of our regular shows and special broadcasts since 2008 from CBS Radio, Achieve Radio, and here on W O O N A M AM, and FM. You can also hear many of these broadcasts on the major podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and
1: YouTube. Uh, Download our show app. It's free at com, And browse our books along with those of our guest
3: co-hosts. Yes,
2: and uh, our show website also has a charity page, uh, that is on com with several links to good causes we have adopted over the years, including Hope for Hilldale Cemetery in Harrow, Massachusetts, run by our good friend Tom Spitaleri, USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping Hades Orphans, the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America, and the Sisterhood of Ground Zero. So what's going on
1: next week, Ben? Well, on
2: uh, September 3rd, we'll welcome back UFO greats. Uh, uh, Paula Lupiz Harry, uh, uh, sorry Paula Lupiz Harris, jeez, and Steve Laplume uh, to talk about the recent congressional UAP hearings and what we know now. That's that's going to be a, a real burn burner of a show. I can I can already tell.
1: <laughs> yes, well M- Malcolm mentioned that, and it is very important.
2: It is <clears throat> it is indeed, especially for those who are into disclosure and all sorts of wonderful topics like that.
1: Well, as I say, maybe Malcolm would agree. We are the disclosure.
3: Mm. Yes, but we are. In the,
1: uh, yeah. But in any case, we leave you today with a thought from none, o- none other than today's guest. <clears throat> Excuse me. However, however impeccable. Can you read this? Of course. So uh,
2: we leave you with a quote from today's guest. However impeccable the evidence, you cannot prove something to people who are not ready to accept it. I'm Ben I'm Eno, Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we shall see you next time on Behind the Paranormal.
0: Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.